0: Men, fellas, welcome to today's episode. And I don't know how you are feeling right now, but damn it, I know that at the end of this, you're gonna feel a little bit better. And today's episode is with Jim Young, and it is an absolutely necessary conversation because the truth is is that too many men are burning themselves out when they don't have to be. This is a fantastic conversation, and if you felt like there's not enough left in your tank, if you felt like your tank is not big enough, if you felt like, how do you get more in your tank or, or you, that you've been just giving and giving and giving and giving, this episode is for you. And I can't promise it's going to give you all of the answers. I can't promise that it's going to fix everything that you feel is off in your world. But I can tell you that it's going to help you to start putting some of the pieces together. So without further ado, let's get into this conversation. This is Jimmy Welcome to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, where we delve into the depths of what it means to be a man in today's world, and we explore the real-life challenges and triumphs that you and I face every single day. My name is Hector Santia Esteban, and I come with no answers, only questions for some of the most wise, insightful, and grounded men that I know. So get settled in. You're listening to Modern Masculinity. Jim, welcome to the Modern Masculinity Show. It is a pleasure to have you here. Hector, thank you so much for inviting me to be on the show. Great topic. I'm excited to dig into it. Yeah, I'm selfishly excited to dig into it because I know it's something that I've dealt with or it's a challenge, you know, both burnout and intimacy. All of those things are so relevant for me, but I'm curious for you. You're a dad. We didn't talk about before, so I shouldn't assume, but, uh, you know, in order to be a dad, there's usually a significant other around somewhere. You're a guy, you're a business owner, you have all these different roles What are you challenged with or struggling with right now as a man?
1: I love that question. I could probably go on for the whole show
0: (laughs) because if I'm being real, there's always struggles.
1: As you noted, I have kids, so therefore I have a partner. I I have an ex-wife who I had children with. I have a partner that I've been with for about two and a half years. and I got really challenged about a month ago, and it was actually something that had been simmering for a while of Being in a relationship for, honestly, I think the first time in my life where somebody was willing to show up for me fully and be there for everything and be willing to talk about any and everything that's going on in my life and has gone on in my life, the stuff that holds me back and trips me up, I got scared. I almost ended the relationship because I was like, I don't know if I know how to handle that
0: it is a different sense of vulnerability, right? Are you connected with Christopher Veal? Yeah, I know Christopher well. I've been on his show and done some collaboration with him. He's a great guy. So I love his concept. Someone else mentioned that they don't like the idea of the word vulnerable because it conveys some, so they like transparent. But I think that with other people and in a setting like this, I think transparency could be more fitting. But with someone like that, with your partner, there is a real sense of vulnerability. With your kids, you know, with these people who are close to us, that there is a sense of vulnerability because you come on here and you share your story, and it's like, uh, you know, what does it really matter with some crazy guy in Southern California thinks about what you're doing? <laughs> if you're significant other, if your kids, if they all of a sudden feel some type of way, there's a closeness to that, that I think a lot of guys aren't prepared for.
1: Yeah. What I realized for myself recently in some deep conversations and reckoning with this situation I was going through with my partner, I get scared of like, if I say this thing, it's not going to go well for me. It's not going to go well for them or the relationship. And so I just try to make it safe. I just try to keep the waters calm as much as possible. If we want to look at transparency versus vulnerability, transparency might be, I'm going to tell you the truth, but I'm going to try and give you the version of it that feels a little bit more okay to everybody. Whereas vulnerable is, I'm going to share and I have no idea how this is going to land. And then I'm
0: going to deal with whatever comes up from that. Yeah, And I think part of the challenge too is there have been times where I've been too vulnerable and it didn't work out. So then all of a sudden you start to think, well, Pavlovian response. Well, I'm not gonna do that again. I think that's limiting in its own self, is to take that approach and be scared of because it didn't work out. So I'm curious, how does a man navigate that intimacy? I think it's so scary for men to be willing to go to that place, so what do you say to some of those guys? Yeah, I think what we were just talking about around transparency, vulnerability, and there's other
1: words we could throw into that mix, Right, it's a pretty broad palette. I need to use all of those. Like, I'm not saying you shouldn't ever be transparent uh, with the way we were talking about it. Sometimes that's the exact right way for me to be with somebody. And sometimes I'm called to be vulnerable. That's what's actually going to serve the situation. So I think the challenge with intimacy and something I've been exploring in depth for the last couple of years is that there is no silver bullet answer. There's no like, oh, just do this every time there's an expression, I think it's Brene Brown, who maybe sourced from is, you know, not everybody's earned the right to hear your story. So sometimes I I can tell my whole story, I can tell you all the vulnerable stuff of what was going on for me, what happened, I can tell you all that. And sometimes you haven't earned the right for that. I can't trust that I can share the deepest, darkest secrets or parts of me. And so maybe I'll go with the transparent version, or maybe I won't say anything at all, I can have some range.
0: And perhaps I'm realizing too, that I came into my marriage wanting to talk about everything and wanting to talk everything out. And that coincided with me losing a lot of the friendships, but a lot of those went away because they weren't at the same periods of my life and we, they weren't going through the same things and, you know, COVID and pregnancies and everything. There's so much trauma going around that we bunkered down. And so my only outlet was my wife. And at a certain point, rather recently, I realized that I don't need to process that with her though. I don't need to dump that unprocessed emotions on her. And so I was being too vulnerable. Now it's a dance, isn't it? Or it's a balance, perhaps. Yeah, what lit me
1: up first when I started thinking about intimacy for guys was an article I read. I think it was four or five years ago in Harper's Bazaar. And it was on emotional gold diggers. And we hear about the gold digger, which is usually... A woman who's after a man for his money. And the inverse was what they were playing with in this article is men who are in a relationship with women just to get their emotional needs met. And it's the only place that they go with it, right? (laughs) And I see you raising your hand. And I've done it too. It's so unsustainable for the relationship because that person's carrying their own emotional weight. And now they got to carry all of yours because they're the only person you talk to. So a lot of what's informed my work over the past several years is how do you build a network where
0: you can have intimacy in a lot of different places. So you get balance. Yeah. It's really having a network. It can't come from one place. And I think that that's where I was misguided. And I also didn't even realize that, that I was looking for all of this validation, all of this, whatever I was looking to the relationship to check all these boxes. And so there was this unawareness, you know, but then even once I gained awareness, there was this conflict of, well, that's what I'm in a relationship for it's kind of this wrestling of needs and stuff but i don't know i'm curious cuz i don't have any answers so so what's that whole thing been like for you yeah i'm still figuring it
1: out i'm in my early 50s i was married for about 15 years i was divorced for about 8 years before meeting my current partner i'm still learning a ton i actually just about half an hour ago got off a call with my monthly men's group we meet for 90 minutes and we were talking about the movie that's out right now called Stutz. It's with Jonah Hill and he's interviewing his therapist. Talks a ton about male relationships and some of the dynamics. I'm always looking for new ways to understand where are my needs? Like, yeah, I need to get validation. I need to get some support. I need to just be able to say some stuff out loud sometimes, just get it off my chest. And where's the right place to take it? I mean, I've gotten better at it over time. Like I know there are certain things that I should pre-process with my therapist or my coach or my men's group before I dive right in with my partner. And sometimes I really need to go to her first. I want to make sure I say this because this is something that I stepped in recently as I realized I was processing stuff in my relationship with my romantic partner and then not bringing it to her. When we had a conversation and she realized like, you're talking about our relationship and problems that you're having or issues that you have, but then you're not coming to talk to me about those. So somebody else knows about this issue you have, and I don't, that feels really bad. And I was like, Oh, man, of course, I thought I was doing a good thing. And it turns out it made her feel
0: like she was getting shut out of something really important. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there's another notice to say that there are no prescriptions here on this show. Um, (laughs) And I imagine that relationships ebb and flow just as people do. And, And so so much of it is timing. I've been fortunate enough over the last couple of months really dive into breathwork as a way to get in touch with everything that I had been packing down for decades, right? And I liken it to like taking a sledgehammer to some clay and just beating it down and beating it down over and over again to harden it. But beneath that, there are some great moments of intimacy and there's some great ability for awareness and all these beautiful emotions, right? Which is kind of scary to guys though. So. When you think about intimacy and especially framing it for a guy, that might seem like a very icky word, or that might be like men aren't intimate. That's what you see in the romance novels. How do we begin to approach these things? And perhaps the practical aspect of just dealing with your emotions is the way, but how how do you begin to take that journey towards intimacy? If I want to get to the root of it,
1: to me, the real answer is start dealing with shame. We've all got shame. It's part of the human condition and shame is often the barrier that's keeping us from intimacy. It's like we don't really want to reveal our full selves to somebody else. That's what intimacy is, is about. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to show you everything about me. I'm going to let you in. But if I feel shame about who I am or what I've done, then I'm going to hold back. I'm still working on mine. I've been doing work on shame for years. I've been doing work on intimacy for years and I keep finding new doors to go through. And I was like, well, I know the value of it. (laughs) So I think for anybody who's listening, appreciating that intimacy has a huge gift for you that's worth overriding this fear that we have about shame of like, I need some kind of connection with other people that makes me weak. I'm shameful because I'm not man enough to just handle it on my own. It's a bullshit storyline. See what happens on the other side when you actually go through it.
0: How have you seen that show up? Because I'd imagine that shame by its nature is diverting of blame in the sense that someone's not going to go like, oh yeah, I've got a ton of shame. I'm full of shame in the sense that someone might, I don't know, say they have a bad back. They might just say very practically, oh, I've got a bulging disc, but all of a sudden with shame, it's hidden, it's shoved away. So how have you seen that show up in ways that people might not be expecting or might not realize is actually shame coming out? I think anytime we're avoiding letting the reality out, it's going to come out sideways, right?
1: Like you can't hold stuff in. I think we think we can hold stuff in. But if I think that I'm inherently bad, because I think that's another way of describing shame, like the simple formula for guilt versus shame is guilt as I did bad, shame as I am bad. If I've got this thing that says, I think I am bad, somehow fundamentally flawed. Well, then when I show up in... A situation whether it's at work whether it's with friends whether it's a romantic partner whether it's with kids it doesn't matter That's this big rock in your backpack and you're walking around with it and you're not able to be free with your thoughts
0: your feelings your behavior you can't be your full self yeah there's so many times where my mental ram is being occupied by something. And what's interesting is a lot of times that is the relationship that I have with my wife. Now, at least that's what currently what's processing you know, is how are we, are we good? Are we bad? You know, there's all this, but if I go back to what's the root of why I care so much about why that relationship needs to be perfect. Well, it goes back to that shame or that self-worth, or I, I am not enough. So I think you're absolutely on it right there. And perfection and shame go hand in hand. I'm trying to be perfect so nobody
1: will see how bad I am, but I'm going to fail at being perfect because you can't be. And then I'm going to feel even more shame. It's this loop. It's this vicious cycle. And the answer, the way to break out of it is to just name the shame. And you got to do it in a safe place. Like It might be with a therapist first. I know that was the first place I started processing my own shame. It's where I started uncovering it. Eventually, as you start to see who are the safe people in my life who've earned the right to hear my story, as the expression goes, I can share it with them too. Maybe it's a romantic partner, maybe it's a best friend, maybe it's a coach, maybe you know, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Because here's the thing, whenever I've realized some of my own shame and I've gotten into a safe space to share it with somebody else, I think it's like 100% hit rate of people being like, oh yeah, me too. I know that story. I got a story just like that. It's like, oh, I'm not alone with this. I'm not terminally unique around whatever it is that's causing me shame. And now I can start to open up and I can be like, all right, cool. Now there's
0: something I can do about it. I got somebody I can connect with. I'm wondering if someone has a really shameful event. People have childhood experiences, trauma, their own experiences. Do they need to go straight to those ones? Or is there any merit in starting with some of the smaller, more subtle, more maybe easier softball ones? And I'm curious your thoughts on where someone should go With regards to tackling this
1: my belief
0: around perfection
1: which is you know part of that shame cycle is that the antidote to perfection is progress if i don't worry about i've got to do it all right and i've got to do it right away like if i just say like i'm going to start i also do a lot of facilitation and training work and i always want to help people start with a low stakes situation when they're building the muscle to then be able to get like, okay, I'm in the high stakes situation. I've got some muscle memory. I can trust myself. And so, yeah, I think there's a ton of value in saying like, I'm going to take that moment when I didn't make it to my kid's soccer game. And I feel shame about that. And I'm going to work with that instead of whatever it was. I have a history of drug abuse. I had an affair. I look at porn, like whatever, like the big ghosts in your closet or monsters in your closet are like, You don't have to go fight them first. Work on the small stuff and realize, oh, I know how to do this.
0: Great, great tip. Like you said, of building the muscle.
1: Yeah.
0: I was at an event recently in December with a group of dads. And part of one exercise was people sharing these things that they felt off of their chest. There's a couple of insights I would love your reflections on. The first was, was you shared one thing and then that gave you a little bit of confidence to share one more thing. And then that gave you, you know, and so it was this building of, you know, getting to the deeper, gnarlier stuff usually. But then also after that, there was this this really tangible weight that was released. It really felt like there was a load off of your back or your shoulders. And so I'm curious if that's been something that you've experienced or or kind of just what your thoughts are on an activity and exercise or something like that.
1: I've had a lot of them. I've been doing work on myself for about 10 years because I needed to, because I didn't do work on myself for about 40 years. So it's like a lot of catching up to do. One of the most profound experiences I had was over the course of about eight years, I grew up with and have been in relationship with alcoholics throughout the majority of my life and I came to that realization about 10 years ago after a conversation with somebody and they invited me to go to an Al-Anon meeting which is for people who aren't familiar with it Al-Anon's a 12 pro- step program like AA but it's for the friends and family members of people who are afflicted with the disease of alcoholism and I started going to these meetings And I had never seen anything like it before. These rooms where people shared this crazy vulnerable stuff and everybody else just sat around and listened and kind of nodded their heads. And somebody started breaking down in tears because they were sharing some really tough stuff. They would just hand them a tissue. Like nobody tried to fix anything. Nobody judged anything. There was no talking about other people's stories. And I started to realize like, oh, okay, I can start a little bit. And I didn't share much at first. And then I did a little bit more and a little bit more. And then I started being really willing to share my story in this room because I felt the safety of it. And I started working with a sponsor who I developed this one-on-one relationship with a guy for the first time in my life where I was talking about everything that was real and saying stuff I'd never said to another human before, let alone a guy. And I was like, oh, all right, this is possible so yeah, I had that experience I've had it in some other places in my coaching training program, which was this remarkable experience in my improv training experience with a bunch of strangers, some really cool spaces where I could sense and I could see that there was a level of trust that over time I learned to trust and then I would show up in a different way and I just got rewarded. And it was like you said, that visceral feeling of having a
0: weight lifted off your shoulders, walking out lighter than when you walked in. Yeah. It's so important, I think, for guys to be able to have those relationships where they can be in a safe enough space to give and receive those things. There's two other topics that I want to get into, Jim. The first one is burnout. And I think that that's really big because I think so many guys don't even realize that they're dealing with that. And so I want to talk about that. But then also you've recently talked about over the last several years, getting involved with improv and how that's really made a big impact in your life. And So we're going to get into that right after this quick break. Hey guys, I want to thank you guys for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by Amplify Media. We are a small group of genius makers whose mission is to get your positive message out into the world. And so if you want to start a podcast, if you want to start creating content, if you want to get your message out there on the internet and you don't want to spend the time doing it, we can help you out. So if you need help, go to amplifymedia.com. That's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y, media.com. Check the show notes for details and see how we might be able to help you. All right, thanks so much for being here and let's get back to the show. Jim, burnout. It's a huge topic these days. It was kind of like a buzzword. It was pretty trendy for a while. And it's still just as relevant. I just don't know if people are talking about it as much as they were, because it's not as sexy or people have moved on to a new problem to highlight. But I think as men, and especially as we are juggling so many things, being at home with the family and providing and needing to maintain ourselves, I mean, there's so much opportunity to get burnt out, whether it be in one of these things or even in all of them as a whole. So why has that been such a big part of your mission and message over these last several years?
1: Simply put, because I barely survived it myself. I was on the burnout spectrum for probably five to seven years, kind of hard to know exactly looking at it in hindsight, but it was several years where I was exhausted. I was cynical I was kind of operating at a reduced level of effectiveness. Those are the three symptoms of burnout, exhaustion, cynicism, and a lack of accomplishment. And I can look back and I can see the toll that that took on me. And as I started to understand that, oh, I had been going through burnout, and this was way before the pandemic, way before burnout was trending, I was burning out hard. The reality is I think the pandemic made it okay to talk about a lot of mental health conditions of which burnout is one. And as I started to get my head around it, I was listening to a lot of podcasts, reading some books, I realized there just weren't any resources out there that were specifically talking about what causes men to burn out in our
0: culture. And so I wanted to spend a lot of time on that. What did you find? Because I think about for me, burnout, when I was in my 20s, I was working 14, 16 hour days, still going out and hanging out with friends and eating jack in the box. And it seemed to be fine. All of a sudden, I had, I started approaching my 30s. The things that worked before didn't seem to work. Is that something that you see in other guys? Is this shift in life exacerbates the cause for burnout or young guys just as burnout as older guys are? How do you see that? I love that
1: story arc that you shared. I mean, I don't love that it happened, but I think it's a common pattern. It mirrors mine in a lot of ways. My 20s felt pretty easy. I had a lot of energy. I always worked hard. I always have, and I probably always will. But as we start to slide really clearly into that provider role, provider, protector, or other roles that are classically, you know, when you become a full man, the things that you do, I think we start to get more closely aligned with a set of rules that I saw in some research. What are the rules of manhood in Western culture? To be successful, to be in control, to not have or reveal emotions, especially to other guys, to not ask for help. Like these are a cocktail for creating burnout. It says isolate, it says handle your business on your own. And by the way, you got to keep taking on more. You've got to start the family. You've got to have the career where you're climbing the ladder. You got to have the nice house. You got to have the vacations. We're creating all this pressure and not giving men the valve to say, hey, I need a release from all of this. And then what we were talking about earlier about shame comes into the mix. Like if I can't play by those rules, and be the successful in control guy who doesn't need any help. Well, now I'm not enough of a guy. It's shameful. And I don't want anybody to see that. So I'm just going to double down. And that's, I think, the recipe for getting into burnout for guys, I got to achieve, and I can't let anybody know that I'm struggling.
0: It just seems so backwards. Or did we get lost? Or has it always been that way? I'm just curious your thoughts. I don't know if it's always been that way. I haven't really gone back to look at kind of a historical example. There's a
1: great book called The End of Burnout by Jonathan Malesic, where he does a pretty good historical view of burnout. I highly would recommend that book. And I'm trying to remember what some of the things he wrote in there, but burnout has been around for a long time. I think that it's kind of hockey sticked in the last maybe 50 years in that, we've got celebrity culture, we've got this always-on mentality that has really started to show up. Back in the 50s, people worked hard, but then they went home and there wasn't all this same social pressure because you were trying to keep up with the Joneses maybe in your neighborhood because that's what you knew. Now we know about the Joneses everywhere. And so there's this constant comparison and we can see so many different things to compare ourselves to that it's gotten to be much, much
0: steeper. Is that a correlation or is that something that you see connected is the comparison to other people and burnout. What is that?
1: Yeah. I was looking for a term to kind of capture this when I was writing my book and I couldn't find one. So I called it social comparison shame. There's a lot of different versions of shame. And I think that when I'm looking out at my social peer group and I'm comparing myself to them and I'm saying I came up short, that's where that shame comes in. Of like, oh man, my buddy got promoted to VP. He's driving the latest Tesla. He's got this kick-ass house. And here I am, I'm still at a director level or my car isn't, like we're comparing ourselves and saying,
0: I'm not good enough. That's almost impossible not to do on social media. I have to catch myself going, why am I getting so jealous of this person? Why do I feel so much emotion rise up? And thankfully I've done enough work to like catch the somatic response. But I'm like, it's literally on the scroll. You know, it happens as the picture shows up. And so I'd imagine that someone who's not as aware is just being caught up by that and just being pulled into that. Because I watch how my thoughts go. It's like there's a weird feeling in my chest. And then there's this weird insecurity about me not being enough. And it happens so quickly that if you're not aware of it, I mean, no wonder that we're where we are. Yeah, nobody's posting on their Instagram
1: feed the crappy hallway closet in their house. Well, we're always showing our best and it's suffocating. It's like, "Oh my god, everybody's got it better than me." And we know it's not true, but it's just in our face so much that it starts to become its own story. And it's like, "Oh man, why can't I be like that? What's wrong with me?"
0: Yeah. So, there's this comparison I think Another lever that someone might be able to kind of toggle, if you will, in my kind of strange brain is I'd imagine self-care goes a long way in dealing and helping with burnout. But that's not something that comes easy for guys. Self-care is not something that you typically associate with guys. How do you help to encourage them to take care of themselves or do what they need to do to avoid this burnout? One of the other primary influences for me around writing my book was a
1: book called Burnout, Completing the Stress Cycle. It's by Emily and Amelia Nagoski. And they wrote a book explicitly for women about how to deal with burnout. What they wrote was universal in at least one way. They talked about these stress cycles that build up in our bodies. That what, and it's literally like when we experience a stressor and we don't go all the way through the stress cycle to release it, it sits in our body as muscle tension, as all sorts of things, high blood pressure and, and things like that start to occur. And that there are things that we can do about it. You mentioned breath work; That's one of the things that we can do is any kind of mindfulness or breathwork kind of practice, but exercise and creativity and affectionate connection with other people. So when I think about self-care, I think a lot of it sounds unmanly. To guys, it's like, oh, I don't need to go talk to somebody, or I don't need to get a massage, I don't need to sit and meditate. It's like, okay, (laughs) maybe that's what you believe. When the reality is, if you start to then flip the page and you look at the hard statistics around what's the highest suicide rate of any group, it's middle-aged men. They're dying at four and a half times the number of women in terms of suicides in our country. You look at depression, addiction, divorce, all these things that start to happen for men at increasingly high rates, especially when they get to midlife, like they've gutted through it maybe for 10 or 15 or 20 years. And then they're having health issues, they're having relationship issues, they're having suicidal ideation, like it's this isn't even worth living. Okay, are we sure we don't wanna do some self-care? Are we sure we don't wanna make that a full breadth thing? And it's not just I go to the gym and I lift a shit ton of weights and I get strong, like great, do that, that's good for you. But do a lot of other stuff too. Cause otherwise, you might end up one of those statistics, and that's not being a provider for anybody.
0: Yeah. You mentioned having a space and a place to talk about these things. I too had we call it a band, and it's a group of four guys, and we meet every two weeks. And really, like we don't have a lot of structure, but we end up just talking about the realist stuff that's going on in our lives. One of the guys today, he just was sharing, and I think in his sharing, realized all the things he was going through. And I think that we understand it intuitively, but when you articulate it, you're able to put it into a perspective that all of a sudden kind of separates you from it. And then I think that gives you some permission to go, well, okay, this needs some space. We need some time. That was something that kind of emerged from us this morning. One of the other
1: expressions I learned years ago that just helped me so much was that everybody is walking around carrying at least one secret that if you knew it, it would break your heart we all go through hardship. We all have crises and trauma in our lives. And if we don't talk about it, we just carry it around and making that bold move, that brave move to say like, you know, I'm going to get together with three of my guys and I'm going to be the one who just starts talking about something that's real. And I'm going to see what they can handle. And then watching people respond to that because like, they've probably been craving it. So I said I facilitate groups a lot. And one of the things that I see in these groups is as soon as you make it safe enough and give guys a space to share about what's really going on in their lives, they crave it. They want that more than anything else. And they're like, oh my God, that was so great. Like, I can't believe that conversation that I just got to have with these other three guys or whatever it is.
0: Yeah, and are you familiar with the book King, warrior, magician, lover. I think that's the order that goes in. One of the things that they talk about in that book is the need for rituals and how our society has kind of lost rituals. And I believe it was in that chapter, or maybe I just kind of connected these. But I think that we get a lot of that when we're younger, with sports teams or even classmates, there's a certain kind of brotherhood. I'd imagine certain people get it in the military and things like that. But then once you go off into quote-unquote manhood, you have a family, all that community, all that brotherhood, naturally goes away. Or at least unless someone goes out and seeks it, unless someone goes out and looks for it, they're not going to get that kind of needed connection with other guys. And it's kind of scary, frankly, because it's such a simple thing that is so not in the ecosphere.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the things we were talking about before, like, you know, has it gotten worse in modern times? And I think that's one of the factors In those communities where there's rituals and there's rites of passage, there's celebration. There's recognition of accomplishing something and having a certain status that's not about being above somebody else. It's about being a member of. And we have it in certain ways. I graduated high school. I graduated college. I'm one of. I think we lose a lot of that. And especially in a world where I'm spiritual, not religious, I used to follow some organized religion, like so many people, it just wasn't serving me, it's fallen away. And the ritual that was there was interesting, right? It gave me these touchstones where I knew like, okay, every Sunday or this season of the year, there was going to be this thing. And we don't have that in our lives. And we're just adrift to look around. And what we look
0: around at is what TikTok, Instagram, <laughs> like, you know, it's not filling us. We're recording this right around the Lunar New Year, which used to be called, I guess, Chinese New Year. It's all this changing. It doesn't matter, but that's that's neither here nor there. I just thought that was an interesting change. But I used to think, oh, Lunar New Year. I almost was saying, like, how silly. It's just, you know, poo-pooing it, right? And now I'm starting to realize the wisdom in appreciating the cycles of the moon and appreciating all of these cycles because they create those rituals and habits. And I think there is some value to whatever that is. Yeah, I think what that raises for me is our separation. We've become so
1: in this age of technology, which we're blessed to be able to meet each other from across the country and have a conversation and share it with people all over the world. One of the things that we've lost in this, I'm going to call it an obsession with technology, is the connection that we have to the earth, to nature, to universal rhythms and patterns. They're there. (laughs) You know, we might think, oh, lunar new year, like, oh yeah, whatever. Why don't we have our calendar around that? It's not practical. Like, it doesn't make sense. Well, there's a lot of wisdom. What I've been coming to realize over time is. This came up for me recently. I was reading something talking about trees. We've learned so much about trees. We thought they stood on their own and they competed for light. What they actually do is support each other. Their root systems are intertwined. They make space for each other to grow. That's how we are too, but we get scared or or something and we start to think we're separate.
0: And if we connect with nature, the answers are almost always right in nature. I would watch stand-up comics because I was giving sales training seminars for six, seven, eight hours. And I realized that the way to get through that for everybody was to turn it into as much of a, <laughs> a stand-up comic routine as possible. But I'm curious about improv and how that's helped with burnout. And maybe you could brush it with the, the lens of how a man might be able to integrate some of these aspects that you're learning and utilizing in a space like that. I got into improv seven and a half years ago. I was in the midst of
1: burnout. I was kind of getting into the final stages of it. And I took an improv workshop an all day class because my kids had been doing it as an after-school activity. I thought that looks kind of fun. And it turned out that I loved it. And I've been doing it ever since. I've trained hundreds of thousands of hours at this point. I perform in shows on a monthly basis. It's one of the joys of my life. And that's actually one of the things. So to your point about brushing it with like, how does this apply to men? I think the word joy doesn't get enough credit for men it's got this feminine feel to it, joy. And we want joy. And we want to be able to access that. Well, one of the ways we can is to be connected with other people and do things that we're excited about. What improv did for me is it gave me a space. And just to draw the distinction, improv and standup are really different. Stand-up is I'm standing here, me on an island with a microphone. I'm trying to make a bunch of you laugh Improv is a group activity where we're discovering something that's funny that we don't know. Like I didn't write any lines like a stand-up did. We're just playing with relationships and situations to see what's funny and what's interesting. That instruction or that invitation to me of be in relationship with people and see what's joyful about it was like, oh, I've never thought of it that way. And of course, I had a lot of fun with my buddies in college. We would just sit around and riff and joke. But something about having the intention of saying, I'm going to accept what you're doing as enough and right. There's no perfection. We're co-creating something together. And I don't need to be the star. There's a tenet in improv that says, make your scene partner look great. And that's one of the rules to follow. Well, if everybody's job is to make their scene partner look great, it's not about us. It's about contributing to something bigger than us. And that's one of the things that's really helped me break that silo of isolation and perfectionism that for me as a guy, I bought into as a way to be successful.
0: Yeah. And I think it's great because so much of what the show is trying to unpack is how do we take and keep? what has been traditionally or classically masculine and how do we evolve it and how do we create? And you talked about joy being traditionally feminine. And I think that the masculine energy has this need to, in its strongest term, control or guide or direct. Perhaps there's a better word to offer that is less toxic, is a sense of allowing and a sense of being. And I think that there's such a shift there because if I'm with my kids and I have to play a certain way, or we have to learn something or get something out of this playtime, well, all of a sudden, I'm putting all these restrictions on that that are making it less likely that that's going to actually happen. Whereas in the moments where I've done what you're talking about in in being present to allow and discover and to co-create. Although it doesn't come as naturally per se, those moments are much more enjoyable. They're much more rich than the ones where I'm trying to make something happen in the way that I think that it should. Yes, and using one of the central
1: tenets of improv is that sometimes it's right for me to take control and be in charge. Ironically, my maybe not ironically, I think this was by design, my improv troupe, our name is not in charge. It's this wonderful place where nobody has to be in charge. But there are times when I need to take charge of that scene. Somebody needs to step out and have a strong offer to get things going. Just like in my life, sometimes I need, especially when my kids were younger, I needed to let them be free range and just kind of, you know, let their creativity shine through. And sometimes I need to be like, okay, this is what we're doing. So to me, the masculine feminine energy, however you want to look at those yin and yang of how we can be in life. I'm always just trying to figure out like, okay, which is the right one right now? Because situations are going to dictate something else. And if I've got great range, I can be nurturing. I can be really directive and driven. Those are all needed. And I can plan a lot more spaces effectively when I don't have just this one
0: way of doing things. Yes. Right. I think that improv, generally speaking, that mindset of what and who do I need to be in this moment. Here's my masculinity coming in to accomplish this goal or whatever, but who do I need to be in this moment? It could just stop there. Yeah. Right. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I can allow this to unfold. I can also push the action forward. It's a lot about acceptance. And I love that. It lets everybody bring their
0: gifts to the table at the appropriate time. Such a great conversation. And it's interesting how if you were to look at the three topics of today, you know, intimacy, burnout, and improv, like, well, how does that connect? (laughs) I think there is a really important through line between those, which is if there's a guy out there who is able to be in flow, who's able to be accepting of their situation, I imagine that burnout is going to be a lot farther away burnout is going to be something that they're going to have to worry about less. And also the intimacy part is more available to them. All of those things can really allow for a more rich, fruitful life. So yeah, great stuff there.
1: Yeah. I love that you use the word flow. I think it's a great way of capturing it. When we're in flow is probably when we're not grasping too much. There's a great analogy of, again, going to go back to nature of water. If you want to hold water, you don't go grabbing at it. <laughs> it's going to run through your fingers real fast. If you can just hold it, cup your hands. Sometimes that's exactly the posture we need and sometimes it's not. So much of this is like how can I flow with the situation? How can I recognize what to bring online? When do I step back? When do I step forward? That can sound hard, and to me it's like, well, what I tried for 40 years plus was harder, trying to know the answer all the time and force the issue. It's scary and interesting. So there's growth
0: on the other side. Yeah. So cool. I know there's a book. There's also a podcast coming out. But before I have you chat about that, I have one last question for you, Jim. And that is what does modern masculinity mean to you? It's the journey that I'm really most interested in, I think,
1: which is why I was so excited when you asked me to come on the show. Modern masculinity to me is a lot about what we were just talking about that range, that ability to accept all the parts of ourselves, including the shadow, including the stuff that we're ashamed of. And bringing that into the conversation so it's not leaking out sideways, it's about being really honest about who we are as full humans, needing connection, needing to accomplish and achieve things. It's the whole picture. It's not this new wave, let's be soft and weak, which I think sometimes gets thrown about when we talk about opening up and being a different type of masculinity. It's all of it. My partner really appreciates when I'm strong and bold and direct. And she also appreciates when I sit and listen to her really well. And I can be with the feelings that she's got
0: and share mine.
1: So I think it's really expansive, which maybe is a teaser into the book.
0: Yeah. Range. I love the idea of range. It's so important for guys today. Tell us about the book. Also, anywhere else that people can go and get connected with you and find out more. Yeah, thanks. The book's called Expansive Intimacy, How Tough Guys Defeat Burnout. And
1: you can find that on my website, thecenteredcoach.com. You'll find it on Amazon. There's a page on my website, thecenteredcoach.com slash book, where you can download the intro. You can find some other resources. And coming online in probably April of 2023 is a podcast by the same name, The Expansive Intimacy Podcast with Jim Young. Really excited to take that conversation and bring it out into the public sphere so more people are in it.
0: Yeah, I love it. Well, guys, go get the book. Subscribe and follow the show when it comes out. And I appreciate you guys always being part of the Modern Masculinity family. We'll see you guys on the next one. Later, y'all.